If you have your Bibles, if you have your Bibles, I would love it if you guys would turn uh, to John. And we're going to be in John chapter 19 tonight. Uh, we're still in John. Yes, I actually, I actually just uploaded a bunch of our sermons from my phone, which is our recording device. I uploaded them to the computer, and we have officially been in John for 40 weeks. Now that's not including our breaks here and there. Uh, it's been a lot longer since then. Our actually our sermon on John chapter one was August. First of 2014. I know, isn't that crazy? It was a long time ago. I remember the first day. Yeah, I actually was listening to that sermon and uh, I could hear you in it, and it was uh, I was like, "That's Ben Nichols," and uh, and, and so it was super cool. Uh, but it's week 41 on the book of John. We're not even going to finish chapter 19, so we'll be in chapter 19 for another week. Then we'll probably be in 20 for a week or two, maybe even three, and then 21 will be three weeks. And so uh, we got. Yeah, we we will be in John till March. No, <laughs> uh, so uh, I'm really excited uh, about our study in the Book of John. I think we've learned a lot. Um, I know I have as I've been preparing and studying uh, for these messages. I know uh, that uh, the last few weeks uh, we've had a lot of not information. I don't know if that's the right, but there's just been a lot of uh, subject matter that we've covered uh, as we've been looking at Jesus being betrayed. Uh, as we looked at Jesus praying, as we looked at what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane, and then uh, in the last two weeks, Jesus put on trial two weeks ago before uh, the the Pharisees, and then this last week we looked at him uh, with Pilate, uh, and we and we just looked at what Pilate uh, and his dilemma was uh, last week. Uh, but we're picking up. We kind of cheated. We were finishing 18 last week, but by finishing 18, we got all the way to 19 chapter or, or chapter 19 verse 16. So we're picking up in verse 17 tonight, um, and so we're going to read through this uh, up to verse 37, then we'll pray, and then we'll uh, dive in. I've got four points tonight, and uh, then we'll go from this place. But this is what it says, picking up in verse 17. And he, bearing his cross, went out to a place that is called the place of the skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side, and Jesus in the center. Now Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Then many of the Jews read this title, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. Therefore the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews. But he said, I am the king of the Jews. And Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers, uh, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts, uh, to each soldier a part, and also the tunic. Now the tunic was without seam, woven from top in one piece. And they said, therefore, among themselves, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it. Uh, who uh, cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Therefore the soldiers did these things. Now there stood by the cross Jesus his uh, stand sorry. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all...
things were now accomplished that the scripture might be fulfilled. Uh, he said, I thirst. Now a vessel of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with the sour wine and put it on, uh, on a hyssop branch and put it uh, to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Therefore, because it was the preparation day, that the bodies should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken, and that they might be taken away. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first, and of the other who was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and uh, immediately blood and water came out. And he also... Uh, and he who has seen has testified, and his testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, so that you may believe. For these things were done, that the scriptures should be fulfilled. Not one of the bones shall be broken. And again, another scripture says, they shall look upon him who they have pierced. Let's pray. Dear God, we just thank you uh, for your word. Uh, God, we thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And God, tonight, as we just spend these next few moments looking at your perfect word, uh, God, I pray that each and every single one of us, uh, God, we just pray that, that each and every single one of us would just be impacted, uh, God, that we would be encouraged, um, God, that we would be uh, really transformed by, by by what the scripture has to say, God, that, that we would look at this in a new light, um, God, and that we would, uh, God, that we would just be inspired. Uh, to live more for you, uh, God, to sacrifice more for you. And so, God, we just thank you, uh, and we praise you, God. I pray that none of these would be my words, but, God, you would speak through. Uh, and, God, that, that your perfect word, uh, God, would would be uh, what we leave with. So, God, we thank you and we praise you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, so, normally this is a portion of Scripture that gets covered in church uh, around Easter. Um, and we're not covering this around Easter. Uh, because it's not Easter time, uh, and so, but that's where we are, and I'm not going to take a break all the way till Easter. That would be a little bit weird and uh, not going with the flow. Um, but it's okay because Jesus told us that we are to think of these things often. Uh, he he told his disciples as often as you do this, taking communion, uh, communion, uh, think of me and think of what was going uh, on when Jesus gave his life on the cross for us. So if you're taking notes tonight, uh, I've titled the, the message, The Day That True Love Died. Um, I stole the title from a Phil Wickham song, but that's okay. Um, it was good. I was going to say The Day That God Died, but then I was like, oh, that sounds kind of sounds kind of harsh. So we're going to go with The Day That True Love Died. God's Not Dead. Sounds like a movie, you know? Um, and uh, uh, any of you guys watch The Walking Dead? Yes. yes. Okay, anyone see last week's episode? Yes. Okay, I saw this really epic uh, picture, and it was like someone had edited the Did God's Not Dead poster. Episode? Yeah, and, 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 and someone posted the God's Not Dead poster, and they yeah. had taken God out, and they put Glenn's Not Dead, and it was so great. I was like, I want to post it, but I can't because, spoiler alert, I don't want to ruin it for anyone. And so, uh, yeah. It was, Everyone good it was good. It was, it was good. It was how he felt. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Well, hopefully we have some good imagery from, from, from Scripture tonight. Uh, this is a portion of Scripture that is talked about in all four Gospels, the Synoptics and the Book of John. In Matthew, uh, we see it in Matthew chapter 27, verses 32 through 38. In Mark chapter 15, verse 21 through 26. And then also in verse 36 and 37. And then in Luke's Gospel, we see it in Luke 23, 26 through 33, uh, 38 and 46. And we're going to jump uh, to 
Matthew chapter 27 at a later point tonight. Because we're going to kind of be all over the place. Uh, this is going to be, since it's not around Easter, we're going to look at this portion of Scripture not in the way you normally would look at it on an Easter service. Uh, so our first point tonight uh, is that Jesus' death was made public. Okay, Jesus' death was made public. We see that it was here for everyone to see. Uh, anyone could walk by, anyone could look at it and just see, hey, look, there's Jesus, the one who claimed to be God. Look at him now. He's hanging. God is dead. Boom. And... Um, we see that Herod, though, or, 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 or the Pilate, Pilate gets kind of a little bit of a last say and a last like jab uh, at the Pharisees. Last week we looked at how Pilate had this dilemma, and he tried. He tried to, to, to set Jesus free. He said three times that Jesus was innocent, that he didn't want anything to do with his death. Uh, so he kind of just throws up to kind of just make a jab at the Pharisees. Uh, Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews, made them very angry. And he said, I, I wrote down what I wrote down. Can't change it now. And it's kind of cool just like because we know from history that, 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 that Pilate goes on to uh, be remorseful for what he had done. Uh, but it's just cool just to see from where he was saying, all right, I'm washing my hands of this to now. Hey, you said Caesar's your king. Well, actually, here's your king, and uh, look what you did to him. And so uh, it was kind of fun to see Pilate do that. Uh, but we see in, in verse 17 through 22, uh, if we were going to go verse by verse, which we're not, because I have some points I want to get to later on, uh, but that we there are some really important things that are written here. Uh, one, that, that everyone, uh, both Jew and Gentile, uh, are seeing Jesus declared as king. Uh, that's important. We don't have time to cover the importance of that tonight. Uh, from a historical standpoint, it's pretty awesome that we see that the sign was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin, because uh, that's actually really important, because that means there were people from all over the empire there if they had to put it in Latin uh, and Greek as well. Uh, but all of this uh, we're really not going to get to tonight, because uh, that was our first point. Jesus' death was made public. Here we're already on our second point. Uh, Jesus' death uh, was the most painful uh, just his death was most painful. Um, I want to talk a little bit about crucifixion uh, because in John's gospel, it just says this. It says, and when they had crucified Jesus, and then we fast forward a little bit, we see Jesus up on the cross. Uh, but I don't know that crucifixion is fully understood uh, by everyone uh, in the church and, and in the Western world uh, today. It was very known to people back then. Um, so... If, if, if you don't like the, the R-rated kind of gore stuff, cover your ears for the next, like, five to ten minutes. Um, because uh, it has been said by historian after historian after historian that crucifixion is uh, the most painful, the most brutal, and the most humiliating way uh, to be executed. Uh, with a guillotine, it's just lop, you're done. Uh, with a noose and being hung, I mean, there's a few. Sometimes people dangle there for a little bit, but it's pretty... Pretty quick. Crucifixion, though, uh, sometimes would take up to eight days uh, for someone to die. Um, a lot of people think that they die from blood loss. That uh, some people think they die from uh, from like birds landing on them or whatnot. But no, it's it, it's people die from suffocation. Uh, that's what kills you uh, when you're on a cross. Um, the Persians invented it as a way of humiliating uh, the people who they had captured. Uh, and the Romans uh, adopted it as a way that they would uh, do mass punishments. Uh, we're told uh, that when the Jews, uh, not the Jews, when the Romans uh, invaded Britain, um, those who were rebellious uh, in Britain, uh, they killed them in mass quantities. 
uh, by putting them on crosses. They line the streets for miles with crosses on either side. Uh, and crucifixion, um, the way they would do it, uh, and I don't have a whiteboard and I don't have a video, so I'm not going to get super graphic, but just imagine with me. Um, we see sometimes in like uh, Easter plays and whatnot, people tied up to a tree, you know, and, and, and but that's not how they do it. Uh, we see sometimes that they'd like uh, put like nails through the hand. They didn't do that either. What they would do is they'd actually, uh, you have two bones in your forearm. Uh, now, does anyone know what those two bones are? You're not that smart. Well, get, yeah, there we go. The radius and the ulna, okay? Uh, and there's, there's, there's kind of a gap between them, okay? Uh, it's kind of like in your legs. Uh, below your knees, you have your tibia and your fibia, okay? It's, it's kind of the same thing up here. Uh, and they would drive a nail just below your wrist joint between the two bones, and, the, and your body weight would rest that nail, uh, like, right on your wrist uh, joint there. So, so, so they drive this nail through into a big piece of wood uh, and and they didn't have like fancy ways of doing it back then it was just very crude and one guy hold this nail and another guy with a big hammer and you're not there's no anesthetic there's no getting knocked out for it you you, you experience all the pain okay yeah and so once they finish that arm uh, they move on to the next and they do that uh, but that's not even that bad uh, compared to what they do uh, next uh, most pictures you'll see like uh, Jesus has like these little holes through the tops of his feet and whatnot. Um, that's not how they did it because uh, that wouldn't be very uh, painful or effective. Um, how many of you guys have ever stepped on a nail before and had it like poke through the bottom of your foot? Uh, it hurts, but it's not going to like really take you out, you know? Uh, what they would do is they'd get even a bigger nail and they'd turn you sideways. Uh, so that your hips are in an awkward place because your shoulders are already here. So we're already doing some weird contorting on your back and whatnot. And they would drive a nail through your heel bone of one foot, which would then go through the heel bone of the next foot. Uh, for all you uh, who don't know that bone, that's called the calcaneus. Did I get it right? Calcaneus. Yeah, it's the calcaneus. It's a super dense bone, and it's, it's a big one. Uh, and you can have... This is important. This is going to come into play a little bit later on. Uh, but you can have one of those nails driven through, and it actually won't even break your calcaneus. We actually have, from archaeological digs, intact calcaneus bones with nails through them of people who were crucified. Uh, this would be excruciating. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys have ever had plantar fasciitis before, uh, but this isn't even on the same scale of, of foot pain. Okay, uh, So they do that, but just to make it worse... They dig this like two foot hole in the ground because they don't put you up on the cross when the cross is already up. They have the cross laying down uh, on the ground. And then what they do, uh, if any of you guys have ever built a pole barn or anything and you have to put your, your beams into place, you have to raise the beams and then drop them into the hole. Mm -hmm. uh, and when you drop them, you let gravity take over. Okay, So just imagine someone with these uh, nails in their uh, wrist and whatnot and then average person maybe 155 pounds okay uh being raised up and then dropped two feet into this hole uh the amount of force i'm not a physics person or anything but I, i'm sure there's some force that's actively playing a role there uh because uh it dislocates your shoulders like instantly because your body weight is now resting on two points and it dislocates both shoulders okay uh so people die on a cross because of cr uh, uh because of suffocation because uh, when that happens, they're they're cutting off their airway because their head's heavy and they can't keep it up because uh, muscularly things aren't happening very well 
uh, when you have two dislocated shoulders. But the way that they would uh, survive is there was this little knob on the cross just above where your butt would be. Um, and so the way you would get breath is you would use your leg muscles because you can't use your arms and pull yourself up. So you'd, you'd, you'd push off. But what you're pushing off on, you're not like doing like calf raises or whatnot because you can't move that because you have a nail through your two calcaneuses. So all your body weight is now being pushed on your ankle bones, which has the nail through them, just enough so you can lift yourself up to sit on this little one-by-one -one plank of wood, get enough air to breathe, and then drop back down, doing more damage, I'm sure, to your uh, all those parts that are around your shoulders uh, for anyone with shoulder injuries. Mariah, uh, it's, it's probably not the funnest uh, thing to have shoulder pain. Um, and uh, Zach, that probably wouldn't be very good for someone's shoulders, would it? No, no, it, would, it, it wouldn't be very good. Uh, and, and I'm sure uh, because of what I, I've never seen someone get crucified, I don't want to, uh, but historians say that, that it was uh, the most uh, painful and the most humiliating way to die. Uh, and, uh, yeah, they they got rid of it because it's pretty inhumane, um, and and so there's there's something. I mean, that's kind of a an understatement, but uh, but this is what Jesus went through, uh, and, and I probably didn't even do the best job of describing it. Um, I could have pulled up uh, could have pulled up some other things and just been like, this is what it is, uh, and, and this is how everything works, and, and and the amount of blood loss and all that, and just crazy things, um, but. Uh, Jesus's death uh, was extremely painful, um, but we see some things take place uh, that will that are important, and that we're going to get to a little bit later on this evening. Uh, but things like uh, he gave up his spirit uh, and he died, uh, not because of uh, suffocation. He didn't die because of blood loss or anything. He, he actually just gives up his spirit. Um, and he didn't have any bones broken, and that's going to come into play uh, in just a little bit. Um, but just super, super painful death, uh, and he endured it for us. Uh, and um, that leads us to our third point, uh, that Jesus' death uh, was messianically prophetic. Yeah, I just made that up, but it's not a, <laughs> it's actually not a made-up word. Messianically is a word. Uh, go use it in Scrabble, you'll get a lot of points. Uh, but Jesus' death was made public. Jesus' death um, was most painful, and now Jesus' death uh, was messianically prophetic. Um, one of the reasons why it was messianically prophetic uh, is we see in the Old Testament multiple times uh, it, it's saying that there will not be a bone broken in Messiah's body. Uh, and Jesus died before uh, bones were broken. We see in John chapter 19, verse 36, that uh, he fulfills this prophecy that not a bone in his body would be broken. Uh, the Jews, they couldn't have anyone dying uh, on the Sabbath, so they had to take them off the cross. And in order to get them to die faster, they broke their legs, so now they can't push off because their kneecaps are broken, uh, and they can't pull up, so they're going to suffocate pretty quick uh, at this point. But Jesus, when they got to Jesus, he was already dead. Uh, one thing that I think is really important, and I didn't actually put it in my notes, but as I was rereading it to you guys, uh, I was like, oh man, why didn't I put that in my notes? But when they stabbed Jesus' side, um, if, if, if any of us were to be stabbed in the side, uh, we'd probably have a lot of blood that comes out. Uh, but Jesus has blood and water come out. Uh, and that's very key uh, because those two fluids are birthing fluids. Um, and so when a woman is giving birth, her water breaks and there's blood as well. 
Um, and so it's interesting that birthing fluids came from Jesus' side. Um, and prophetically, uh, the church was born uh, in Jesus' death and in his resurrection. So you can look at it like that and be like, oh, oh interesting, some things being pointed out there. Um, and so... Uh, I was told that uh, if, if water were to come out with your, in your side when you're pierced, it's, it's a, it means that you've died. Okay, okay. Cool, cool. I, I don't know medicine very well, uh, but I, I, I was told that um, there was some importance there, and so um, prophetically, and so maybe that is, is a way also. Yeah, um, if, you were, if you were pierced and just blood came out, it means you were still alive. Okay. If blood, if blood and water came out, then, then uh, yeah, you're dead. That's, okay. That's what I was told. Okay, interesting. Very cool, very cool. Uh, John chapter 19, verse 23 and 24 uh, we see that the soldiers took his garments uh, and they cast lots for him. Uh, another prophecy being fulfilled. But the biggest prophecy I really want us to look at uh, that's fulfilled uh, and it's talked about a lot on Easter, but I think talked about in the wrong manner, uh, actually doesn't even come from John's gospel. It comes from Matthew's gospel. Uh, so if you turn to Matthew chapter 27, uh, verse 46, we see Jesus say, uh, Eli, Eli... Lama uh, Sabakatini. Uh, I totally butchered Hebrew, but that's okay. In English, it just means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, and I've heard said, and you've probably heard said too, uh, that, that Jesus' sin uh, was, was, was so crazy because he took on all the sins of the world that, that God turned his back on Jesus. Have any of you ever heard that God turned his back on Jesus before? Um, and and it, it's something that's said from pulpits all over the place, uh, and it's actually not biblical. And we're going to look at that uh, tonight uh, because I just thought this was super amazing. Uh, and, and this is really everything leading up to this, the first two points, um, it's kind of just intro because I, what I really want us to focus on tonight uh, is, is how uh, prophetic Jesus' death on the cross really was. Uh, he says, my God, my God, why have uh, you forsaken me? You see just a few verses earlier that it says um, it was in the ninth hour. Um, some, some newer translations would say at three o'clock. Um, turn with me, if you will, uh, to the book of Psalms. We're going to look at Psalm chapter 22. Uh, Psalm 22, we actually mentioned it two weeks uh, prior uh, as a prophecy uh, about Messiah and some things that were being said by the Pharisees that are quoted here. Uh, but I just want to read this uh, to you guys, and then we're going to go back through Psalm 22, kind of verse by verse, uh, and just see the prophecy uh, that is fulfilled uh, and the prophetic nature of Christ's death on the cross uh, and why when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That it's not at all God turning his back on Jesus. In all reality, it's yeah, Jesus pointing out to the Pharisees, hey, look what you've done. You've missed it. Nope, nope. Okay, th this is what it says in Psalm chapter 22. It says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's how Psalm 22 starts. That's what Jesus said on the cross. We're going to come back to that in just, uh, just in a few moments. This, this, this is intense. It says then, uh, Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? 
Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear, and in the night season, and I am not silent, but you are holy, and thrown in the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you, they trusted, and you delivered them. They, cared, they, they cried to you, and were delivered. They trusted in you, and were not ashamed. But I am worn, and no man... Uh, a rep- uh, I am a worm and not a man, a reproach of the men, uh, the desire of the people, and all those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out the lip and they shake their heads, saying, um, He trusted in the Lord, let him rescue him, let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Lots of hymns there. Uh, but you are he who took me out of the womb. You made me trust while I was on my mother's breast. I cast upon you from birth, from my mother's womb. You have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths, like raging and roaring lions. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, it melts within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. Uh, and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me, and the congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They have pierced my hands and pierced my feet, and I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far from me. O my strength, hasten to help me. Uh, Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns of the wild oxen. And you have answered me. I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All the descendants of Jacob glorify him. And fear him, all the offspring of Israel. For he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. Nor has he hidden his face from him, but when he cried to him, he heard. My praise shall be of you in the great assembly, and I will pay my vows uh, before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth shall eat and worship. All those who go down to the dust shall bow before him, even he who cannot keep himself alive. A posterity uh, shall serve him, and it will be recounted of the Lord to the next generation. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born, that he has done this. So lots of stuff there. Uh, let it be noted that this was written um, a long, long, many hundred years before Jesus died on the cross. Uh, there's no like uh, retrospective, oh man, we should add this to history because it fits with what Jesus had to say. Uh, this was actually a psalm that was quoted uh, by rabbis every single day at 3 o'clock. Yeah, in in Jerusalem, in Jerusalem, at three o'clock, the rabbis, a random rabbi, because 
you have to understand, and we don't have time tonight to, to go into Jewish like laws and customs and tradition, but the rabbis, but the rabbis, what they would do is at certain hours during the day is they would call out the beginning of a psalm, and what it would do is it would call the people to prayer. And then whenever they heard that, the people then would begin to pray on their own, and they'd quote the psalms, and then when it got time to be done, uh, the, the rabbi who called the time of prayer would wrap it up by saying the last line of a psalm. Jesus was a rabbi, and Jesus at the third uh, at three o'clock, the ninth hour, Jesus from the cross shouts out, "My God, My God, why have you forsaken me?" Now it wasn't just Psalm twenty-two they did; they do different psalms at, at different hours and whatnot. But it was the rabbi who was present; he could choose what psalm he was going to recite. And all the Jews, they were a lot more familiar with Scripture than we are today. Uh, and so when they heard these words, when they heard the words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Every single Jew who was present knew that Jesus was calling them to a time of prayer where they would reflect upon Messiah. Oh, and the crazy part about this is there were those who were there, and the lights turn on. They always turn on at random points during the service. It's crazy. Um, but they would have begun to quote these things, and they would begin to quote things about like, how they have taken my clothes and cast lots for it. And then they yeah. look over and they see Roman soldiers doing that very thing. They'd, they'd hear the part where it talks about my hands have been pierced and my feet have been pierced. And they'd look at Whoa. Jesus up on the cross and they'd be like, holy moly, what on earth have we done? Because Jesus here claiming to be uh, Messiah uh, and being Messiah fulfills this to a T. When it has that word forsake, we tend to think of someone who's like left alone, he's forgotten, uh, he's been abandoned. But actually what this word forsake means in the Hebrew is someone who was left in a place of lack, where they don't have um, strength, where they are no longer able to do things on their own. And really it's saying, God, I need your help. God, I need your help. And what Jesus was saying, he's saying, God, I need your help. We just saw him a few weeks ago praying in the garden, saying, man, if it's your will, Lord, please take this cup away from me. And... Uh, but now we see Jesus calling on the help from the Lord. But really, I believe that Jesus is pointing out to all those who are hearing this, look what you are doing. You are crucifying Messiah. Uh, and they were still ignorant enough uh, to uh, not realize this. We see in verse 7 of chapter 22 that uh, all those who see me ridicule me. They shoot their lip. They shake their head saying, he trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Uh, that's the very same thing the Pharisees were saying. Oh, if you're God, why don't you save yourself? If you're God, why don't you come down from that cross? Like, we see that in the Gospels. And so these very things that are being said here in Psalms are the thing that several hundred years later the Pharisees would say to Jesus. Uh, we see Jesus talking uh, to, 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 to God here in uh, verse uh, 9, 10, and 11 prophetically about how, uh, God, you've been with me my entire life. Um, now be not far from me. Uh, it's the very same things that Jesus was praying there in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, we see that it, he says in verse 12, Many bulls have surrounded me, the strong bulls of Bashan. Um, the bulls of Bashan uh, is actually a, uh, is a nickname that was given to the Pharisees during the first century. And so it, it, it's crazy how all this is falling into place, like things that couldn't be uh, on accident. It talks about being poured out like water, water pouring from his side. Uh, he, all his joints are out of place. Uh, if you know how crucifixion works, uh, your joints are out of place. He says, um, 
I, I, my tongue clings to my jaws. He was thirsty. He's given bitter wine. Uh, he talks about how he was pierced in his hands and his feet, how he can count all his bones, uh, how they're casting out. Like, like every single bit of this happened to Jesus on the cross, fulfilling uh, these prophecies. Uh, and the cool part about this is uh, we don't see it in the Gospels, um, but we see it here that, that, that God hears Jesus. God the Father hears Jesus. And he doesn't turn his face. A lot of songs around Easter talk about how like God turned his back or, or, or God turns his face. And the really cool thing about this is God didn't ever turn his face away from Jesus. God never turned his back on Jesus. God never rejected Jesus because he took on the sins of earth. No, he was right there with him. And the encouraging part about it is uh, God never turns his back on us. And God never forsakes us. Uh, we when, when we cry out to the Lord, when we call upon the Lord, uh, He hears us. It goes on to say some really cool things uh, about uh, Jesus and some other prophecies uh, that maybe have yet to take place. When He says like these things, that the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord. Uh, all the families of all the nations shall worship before you. Uh, I'm reminded of a portion of Scripture where it says, uh, Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, uh, every tribe, every tongue, every nation. Uh, those are things that are prophesied here about this suffering Messiah who is going to die. At some point, everyone will lift him up. Uh, because it says, for the kingdom is the Lord's. Uh, Jesus talked all the time about his kingdom uh, that was coming. Um, and, and it goes on to say uh, this down at the end, and I think this is really, really important. Uh, he says that, um, and they will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born. Uh, Jesus what he did was very much for the people who were there, uh, but it was also for the people now uh, and, and uh, people who had not yet been born. It was the very thing that Jesus told his disciples to do in Matthew chapter 28, to go out into all the world, tell new peoples, uh, Gentiles who had never been able to experience the one true God are now going to be able to experience the one true God through Jesus. And that, uh, that brings us to the fourth point. Uh, that not only was Jesus' death made public, not only was it most painful or messianically prophetic, but Jesus' death uh, was masterfully personal. Uh, Jesus died uh, on a cross, and it was it was for the world to see, uh, but it was for each and every single person individually. Uh, Jesus' death is not something just to be looked at on the grand scheme. Even though it is probably the most widely known uh, story of someone dying, um, it, it, it's not the big picture uh, that matters. It's a personal matter for each and every single one of us um, because we are, like verse 31 said of Psalm chapter 22, we are a people who have not yet been born. Now we're born, but back then we weren't born. Uh, and, and Jesus had died for us. And the crazy thing about this is uh, that Hebrew phrase at the end of verse 31 of Psalm 22, it says that he has done this. Uh, that's an English, trans an English translation um, of a Greek translation in the Septuagint uh, of what that last phrase is, but when you actually look at the exact Hebrew for what that phrase is, it literally is, it is finished. He has done this. He has finished this. Uh, and that's what Jesus says right before he gives up his spirit. He says it is finished. Jesus left enough time for people to say, oh my goodness, now in this time of personal reflection at the ninth hour, I have to personally reflect on this psalm, the psalm this rabbi has called us to, Psalm chapter 22. Everyone hearing it would have looked at Jesus and said, oh my goodness, what have we done? What have we done? And for us today, I mean, seeing these things and hearing these things, like, wow, that's that's really cool. Like, it's awesome how Jesus 
and, and how God orchestrates and fulfills prophecy and whatnot. Uh, but we are left with a time of, of personal reflection as well. Uh, and, and what has Jesus' death on the cross done for you? Uh, I, 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 yeah, but, but, but for society, yeah. But what has he done for you? It's, 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 it's very personal. Dan and I were talking on the phone uh, last night because uh, Dan was leading the Bible study and they were going through 1 Corinthians chapter 6 um, and, and just talking about uh, in our lives, um, our lives, if we've put our faith in Jesus, uh, we we were bought with a price. Uh, and the price wasn't with gold, wasn't with silver, uh, it wasn't with uh, bartering for sheep or grain or wool, um, it wasn't with precious stones or, or anything like that. We were bought, uh, and the price was the blood uh, of Jesus on the cross. Um, and the context in which Paul was writing to the church in Corinth, uh, and he wrote to the church in Galatia, the same thing. Um, we have grace and we have forgiveness and God's given us mercy uh, and, and his forgiveness covers all of our sins uh, and, and so to those churches in the first century they said man well since we're covered with grace why don't we just sin as much as we want so that we can get even more grace if grace is such a good thing like let's let's have grace abound that much more if we sin like that's cool and, and it's a good justification to live however you want because, hey, man, if I'm saved, I'm saved. I got grace. I can do whatever. But Paul says, is this the case? And he says, certainly not. Do you not know that you were bought with such a great price? And, and on the personal side, uh, what is Jesus' death? We're going to talk about his re- resurrection in the next few weeks. But what does his death mean to you? What has it meant to you? And in, in, in just your own personal reflection, um, does it make you think differently about your life when you sin? Does it make you think differently uh, about uh, just the way you live your life, knowing that your your sin uh, cost God everything? What seems to cost you maybe very little in the moment, or maybe it costs you something in the moment. Um, it cost God His life, um, and and. I mean, we know the end of the story. Jesus raised from the dead, and it's awesome. Uh, and, 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 and resurrection and redemption is amazing. But the fact that blood had to be shed so that you could be forgiven, um, I know, and for me personally, um, that makes me take maybe a step back and, and, and really think about uh, what am I doing in the moment? What am I doing uh, when when I'm sinning, because every time I sin, I heard it one. Actually, it, it wasn't a poet, it wasn't a scripture, it wasn't any of that. It was, it was a rapper, a Christian rapper, said it this way. Uh, he said, uh, "Every time we sin, it's like we're spitting in God's face. Uh, if we've tasted of God's grace, if we've tasted of. I, I'm going to butcher the line, but he says, uh, well, if we've tasted of God's grace, every time we sin, it's like we're spitting in God's face." Uh, it's like where those Roman soldiers or where those Pharisees there when he's being on trial or being crucified. And we're realizing he's dying for our sins, but we're just going to continue to sin anyways. And so we're just saying, yeah, you know what? It's not, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's okay, Jesus. Thanks, man. And, 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 and we're cheapening grace. We're cheapening what he did for us on the cross. And uh, I just want to encourage you guys tonight. Um, that Jesus' death, uh, yeah, it, it covers our sins. 
uh, and we are forgiven. If you put your faith in Jesus, his blood covers our sins. And the, uh, and the Bible tells us that he has forgiven us and he forgets our sin as far as the east is from the west. Um, I had a kid in one of my youth group. Uh, uh, he was like, well, as far as the east is from the west, if you're on a globe, I, I think they meet back up again. So does he really forget? And I'm like, dude, you're missing the point. Like, like, uh, he for, like if it's a straight line, you guys remember geometry. They're like a straight line. Will never ever touch either end. They go on infinitely, uh, and that's how far Jesus forgets our sin. Like like like, he's forgiven us, but we're finite. He's infinite, but we're finite. And so, uh, I just want to encourage you, uh, maybe just to think a little bit more about what Jesus has done for you, uh, and what his death actually means. Uh, and I know that even as I was uh, just just finalizing everything this afternoon. I, I I I just had to take a step back and be like, man, God, like, uh, thank you for your love and thank you for your forgiveness, uh, but God, I I'm really sorry for the times uh, where I just uh, turn a blind eye to what you've done and I just do whatever I want, um, and and it brought me back to times in high school <laughs> where I, I I I would think I was like, man. I was I, and I was just like the Corinthian church, and I, I, where I'd be like, man, if I can just sin, even more. But then at the end of the day, as I'm going to bed, I can just recount all the sins I did, and God forgives me. I'm good. So I can sin as much as I want if I just remember to ask for forgiveness at the end of the day. And like I was just like, God, forgive me for those times of just ignorance to to your grace and to the gospel. And, and so I just want to maybe encourage you guys uh, to. So maybe think about this portion of scripture a little bit different than you have in the past. Uh, and really um, understanding that Jesus loves you uh, and he loved you enough to give his life for you. Um, and the crazy part about it is he's so perfect that this is a perfect plan uh, of redemption. Um, and so you have only but to turn to him uh, and he, he forgives um, and he gives grace. And so... Uh, yeah, be encouraged. Um, I know it's kind of dark subject matter when we're talking about uh, death on a cross and all these things, but uh, hopefully you guys were as encouraged and maybe uh, inspired by, by, by just how the prophetic side of it and, and everything that was fulfilled uh, from Psalm chapter 22. Um, but yeah, guys, that's all I have for tonight. Uh, a little bit shorter than normal, um, but uh, I just want to leave you guys with, with think... Uh, uh, this week, um, it, when it's a week that the entire United States of America focuses on being thankful, uh, what are you thankful for? Uh, are you thankful for family? Are you thankful for uh, friends? Are you thankful for food? Are you thankful for faith? Are you thankful for football? Those are all really good F things to be thankful for, like fireworks and all those kind of things. Uh, it's the first, it was the first F word that came in my mind. Uh, you can tell I went to church uh, um, when I was a little kid. Um, but uh, fireworks, great. Uh, no, but... But this, but 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 this week, uh, let's let's think beyond just the normal things to be thankful for, uh, and let's think about the the thing that's most important to be thankful for, and that's what Jesus has done for us. Uh, and take some time just to reflect on that uh, this week. And and here's a novel idea. Here's a novel idea. I I don't know what all your guys' Thanksgiving traditions are, um, but I know at our house what we do. Uh, is is we'll go around and we'll just say one thing we're thankful for and, and something like that. Uh, 
and and here's a novel idea. Tell someone, tell someone what you're thankful for. Tell someone that you're thankful that that Jesus died for you, uh, and that He died for them. And and just let someone know that that's the greatest gift that could ever be given. Uh, is is and it's the greatest way love can be shown. Uh, John tells us in his gospel that uh, there's no greater love than this than to lay down a life for a friend. And, uh, and Jesus did that for us. And, and, and so uh, let someone know how thankful you are uh, for what Jesus did. You don't have to use words like, oh yeah, his death was messianically prophetic. Uh, you don't even have to say it was masterfully personal. You can just say, hey, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. I know, I know. I had to stick with the alliteration. I'm sorry. Um, but, 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 but let someone know that you're thankful for, for what Jesus has done for you. Uh, and see if that opens doors uh, for, for the gospel to be shared. So I'm going to pray, uh, and then it's only 8.15, 8.16, um, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go from this place. I said I spoke uh, longer than, or shorter than I normally did, uh, but it's been 45 minutes, so uh, enough, enough listening to me. Let's fellowship. Uh, dear God, we just thank you so much, uh, God, and we just praise you uh, and we thank you. Uh, God, that you suffered and died uh, for us. Uh, God, I just pray that this week, uh, as, as we are, um, God, just focusing on, on the things that we're thankful for, uh, God, I pray that we'd take time uh, to thank you for what you've done. Uh, God, just here and now, we thank you. God, for who you are and for what you've done. God, we thank you for enduring the cross, uh, God, and, and, and dying for us. God, we thank you for... Uh, your blood that was shed, uh, God, during your plan of salvation for us. Um, God, we just we just repent of, of our sins. Uh, God, we repent of the times where we have, have turned a blind eye to, to what you've done. Uh, God, to the times that we've metaphorically spit in your face. Uh, God, that we were uh, among those, uh, like the hymn says, uh, I, I hear my voice called out among the scoffers. Uh, God, forgive us of those times. God, and may you draw us nearer to you. Uh, God, may we begin to see our sin the way you see our sin. Uh, God, may we uh, get to a place, uh, God, in our lives where, where we hate our sin so much and we love your mercy and grace so much, God, that, that we want to abound uh, in that. So, God, I just pray that each and every single one of us, God, uh, this week we grow closer to you. Uh, God, as, as we just thank you uh, for who you are and what you so God, we just thank you. God, we praise you in your son's wonderful, beautiful name, Jesus Christ. Uh, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Amen.